He buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, facing Beth Peor. And no one to this day knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not weak and his vitality had not left him. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. No prophet has arisen again in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unparalleled for all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do against the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all his officials, and to all his land. And for all the mighty acts of power and terrifying deeds that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Good morning. Well, it's been great to uh, be working through Deuteronomy over this last term. I think this might be the 11th or the 12th week that we've been doing this, and uh, we come to the very end, and it's been a great journey. And thanks to those who've summed up what they've learned from Deuteronomy. In fact, they've done such a good job that I've heard the words of this morning's sermon coming out already, so maybe I should just sit down. And I was also hoping that when you were talking to about a long sermon, you were talking about Moses' sermon, not mine, Linda. That's good. Phew. Let's pray. Lord, thanks so much that you've spoken to us in the past, through the forefathers at many times and in various ways by your prophets. And thank you that you've spoken to us in your son, the Lord Jesus. Please help us as we look at this last part of Deuteronomy to know you better today, uh, to know ourselves better and to appreciate more deeply uh, what Jesus has done for us. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, it's a very poignant moment, isn't it? The death of Moses, the great man who's led Israel for so long, and uh, he dies outside the promised land. But uh, we have these words reminding us just how great he was. And when a great man, the leader of a nation or a great woman dies, there's often that moment of reflection, isn't there, where we, we stop and think about who they were, what they've done, what they achieved, and what legacy they've left. I've got a few famous people who've died here. Uh, not all kind of necessarily leaders like Moses, but many of you may be able to remember, if you're old enough like me, where you were when Princess Diana, when you first heard that she died. I can picture myself driving up the Great Western Highway in Springwood uh, when I was there and heard on the news. I, I could hardly believe it. Some of you may even be old enough to remember where you were when JFK was assassinated. I'm not. It happened just before I was born. I was alive in the womb, but I wasn't yet born when, uh, when he, he was killed. Nelson Mandela, uh, a great leader who people uh, have you know, written books about and, and just think about what he accomplished in South Africa. And even this year, and perhaps not on the same scale as some of those world leaders, but Bob Hawke, and uh, he died this year, and that's what we heard on the news, didn't we, as we thought about what he did and who he was and, uh, and what he had Accomplished. Well, here in the Bible is this moment where Moses has died. Here's Moses, another drawing of Moses. We don't know what he looked like. 
But uh, as Leah said, Moses was an amazing leader of God's people. He grew up in the home of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He grew up to identify with his own people and shunned all of the riches of Egypt in order to uh, belong to God and his people. And God used him to, uh, to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt and out to Mount Sinai. And then he alone went up onto the mountain and met face to face with God and received the Ten Commandments and conveyed them to the people. He led them through the wilderness, 40 years, 40 years wandering around the wilderness with Moses teaching them and guiding them and judging them and leading them. And then now here they are in book of Deuteronomy, camped on the edge of the land that God had promised them, a land flowing with milk and honey, kind of like heaven is for us, this was for them. Here they are ready to go in according to the promises that God made to Abraham and Moses stands up again in his old age, 120 years old, and he addresses them. And he calls on them not to turn back from God, but to love the Lord and to obey him and to enjoy the blessings that he will give if they respond rightly to him. That's a very sad ending, isn't it? Moses is there and it describes what he sees as he goes up and he looks out over the land, but we know that he's not going to go in because even Moses was a sinner. Even Moses wasn't able to be accepted uh, by God and he dies outside of the land. But yet uh, he was a great man. There was none greater. No one did greater signs and miracles than Moses at that time. No one else knew the Lord face to face like Moses did. He was 120 years old when he died, but his eyes were not weak and his vitality had not left him. He was, he was called the servant of the Lord, a very exalted title and And God even took him and buried him himself. That's how great he was, in a place that no one knew where it was. I take it so that no one could go and worship him. That's how great he was. That would have been the danger. Moses has died. But one of the other important things when you know that someone is going to die, and Moses did know that he was going to die, was that their final words become really important. The parting words that someone says will display what they think is really important for you to know, what they really want to get across to you. And in this last part of Deuteronomy that we're looking at today, not just 34, but from chapters 31 to 34, we have the last words of Moses. In a sense, the whole of Deuteronomy has been the last words of Moses, but these are the last, last words of Moses. And in chapter 31... Moses tells us that he knows he's going to die, and so he, he prepares for after he's gone. He tells them that Joshua is going to lead them from now on. Every great leader has a succession plan, and it's Joshua. He tells them, he's, he writes down all the laws, and he tells them every seven years, all get together and read out the law so that you can remember what I've told you in the book of Deuteronomy. He tells them a song. Songs are very powerful, aren't they, so that you can remember things. Uh, I can rem- I, sometimes I hear a song that gets played on the radio or something, uh, usually in a, some kind of historical back-to-the-70s thing or something, and I think, I know that song. I haven't thought about it for 50 years, but I know it. The words just kind of stick, and Moses teaches them a song so that years later, centuries later even, they will remember what Moses said would happen to them. And the song is, for us, is recorded for us in great detail. It's a long song. In, uh, in chapter 32. And then in chapter 33, Moses prays for the people. 
He prays words of God's blessing on them. Uh, He loves these people and uh, he knows that God loves these people and is committed to them. And so Moses prays a word of blessing on them. And then, as we read in chapter 34, Moses dies. Now, we're going to work through these chapters, but we're not going to go through sequentially. Uh, We're going to go through thematically because there are three, uh, three big things that Moses says to the people that flow through these chapters. You can see them there on the, uh, on the sermon outline. He brings words of comfort, words of doom, and words of distant hope. Firstly, words of comfort. Uh, when Moses is about to die, the people must have been wondering, what's going to happen to us? How can we ever survive without Moses leading us? Will God still keep his promise and give us the land? Will we be able to conquer it without Moses leading us? And the answer is a definite yes, because Moses reminds the people, it's not me who's brought you this far. It's God who's your real leader. Remember the Lord. He's the one that's going to take you into the promised land. Have a look in chapter 31 in your Bible, uh, at the beginning of chapter 31, and pick up what Moses says here. Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, saying, I'm now 120 years old. I can no longer act as your leader. The Lord has told me, you will not cross this Jordan. The Lord your God is the one who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will drive them out. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, as the Lord has said. The Lord will deal with them as he did with Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will deliver them over to you, and you must do to them exactly as I've commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. It's pretty hard to find more encouraging, comforting words than that, is it? God has made a promise to you. God has been with you. He's chosen you. He's carried you on eagle's wings out of Egypt to Mount Sinai through the wilderness. He's brought you to this point and he's now going to take you into the promised land. Have no fear. Be strong and courageous. It might look scary to you. It might look impossible to you. But God is going to do it. He will never leave you or forsake you. They are some of the best words that you could ever hear. And let me say, these words were for Israel back then as they faced the the challenge and the doubts about whether God's kingdom was going to come to them. But the same word comes to us really today because we live in a world where we may doubt that God's kingdom is actually going to come. We've been waiting a long time for Jesus to return. We look around our world and we see all kinds of upheaval. We may have all kinds of fears and doubts in our heart about whether, whether we're going to make it, whether God is going to deliver, whether we're going to really be raised from the dead, whether Jesus is really going to return. Is it all true? Can we trust him? Well, hear these words. God is great. God is gracious. He will never leave you or forsake you. I'm reminded of Jesus' words at the end of Matthew's Gospel, the Great Commission. Go out and make disciples of all nations. That's a big task, isn't it? And it's tiring and it's hard work. But what did Jesus say? Surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. Be strong and courageous. He will never leave you or forsake you. Words of amazing comfort. 
coming to Israel and to us. But there are also words of doom here as well. Because after God gives the land to the people, it's not going to go well for them. We've seen this as we've been working through Deuteronomy, haven't we? And in a sense, the length of Deuteronomy kind of tells us that. Because Moses goes on and on and on about it. Remember the Lord. Don't turn away from him. Obey him. And he has to keep telling them, obey him, obey him, obey him. Maybe he knows what they're like. Not maybe. He does know what they're like. And uh, through these closing words, we get this theme coming out again that even after all the reminders, even after the lessons they learnt in the wilderness, even after God gave them the law, even after Moses had given them the blessings and the curses and warned them and showed them just the consequences of their decision, even after all of that, the people are still going to turn away from God and the curses will fall on them. Just like sin wrecked everything in the Garden of Eden when the people were there with God in his place, enjoying his blessing. So again, on the, in the garden, in the land of promise, the land of Canaan, sin is going to wreck everything again. Have a look uh, there in chapter 31, verse 16. God himself tells Moses this. The Lord said to Moses, you are about to rest with your fathers, and these people will soon commit adultery with the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will abandon me and break the covenant I have made with them. My anger will burn against them on that day. I will abandon them and hide my face from them so that they will become easy prey. Many troubles and afflictions will come to them. On that day, they will say, haven't these troubles come to us because our God is no longer with us? I will certainly hide my face on that day because of all the evil they have done by turning to other gods. Words of doom for Israel. God tells Moses, and at the end of chapter 31, Moses tells the people the same thing. And so that when it happens, they won't get confused and think maybe God was weak or maybe God was unfaithful. Moses teaches them a song. And this song is mostly words of doom. Chapter 32, you'll be pleased to know we're not going to sing the whole song, but uh, there are four parts to the song. Here's the first three. The first part of the song is, reminds the people that God is great. God is gracious. Have a look in the, um, at verse 3, th- chapter 32, verse 3. I will proclaim Yahweh's name, declare the greatness of our God, the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are entirely just. A faithful God without prejudice. He is righteous and true. God is great and God is good. Don't ever forget it, Israel. The second uh, part of the song goes on to, to, uh, to remind the people that Moses said that they, his, God's people would reject God. Verse 15, Then Jeshurun, which is another name for Israel, became fat and rebelled. He became fat, bloated and gorged. He abandoned the God who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation. Here's the path that's going to happen to Israel in the land. And so what will God do? Israel rejected God. God will reject his people. Verse 19, when the Lord saw this, he despised them. Provoked to anger by his sons and daughters, he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what will become of them, for they are a perverse generation, 
unfaithful children. This is the sad story of Israel in the land. And this is what happens, isn't it? If you know the story of the Old Testament, after this, God does give them the land like he promised. Under Joshua, they go in and they conquer the land. And then what happens? Sin starts rearing its ugly head. The people start rebelling against God, going after false gods. God is incredibly patient with them. One generation repents and then God blesses them again. But then the next generation turns away and it goes on like this. And then one king after another leads the people astray. And in the end, God's anger is kindled. His patience runs out and he drives them out of the land. And they sit in exile in Babylon. This is the story of the Old Testament. If you think the ending of Deuteronomy is sad, the ending of, of, one, of two kings is even sadder as we see these things unfolding. Sin is deeply rooted in the hearts even of God's people who've seen the miracles and experienced God's grace and had the promises given to them, but still they're not able to obey God in the long run. And there's a deep message here for us, isn't there? The old covenant is not going to cut it to make people permanently right with God. No, in the future, something else has to happen. And the good news is that there's a third word here. We've seen words of comfort that God is faithful, he's great and he's good. Words of doom that the people are sinful and will turn away from God and fall under judgment. But there's also words of distant hope. After this happens, after they are punished by God and he's angry with them and kicks them out of the land, after that, there will be restoration. After that, God will intervene and he will do something to change everything for his people. It's a long time in the future, but Moses sees it and he speaks of it to the people. We saw a little bit of this last week in chapter 30. Uh, as Josh was speaking to us, when it speaks there about how all the blessings and curses have come, after that the people will turn back to God and God will have compassion on them and God will circumcise their hearts. God will give them a new heart. He'll change them from the inside so that they want to obey his law. But there's more to, uh, more to see than that. In chapter 32 at the song, at the end, remember when he had three of the four points? The final step in the story is that God will restore his people. And the end of the song finishes with some very encouraging words. Verse 43. Rejoice, you nations, concerning his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will take vengeance on his adversaries, those who come and carry Israel off into exile. God will defeat them. He will purify his land and his people. He will purify his land and his people. Not only will God give them a new heart, God will give them a new start. He'll cleanse them. He'll wash them clean. Here is a distant hope for God's people. And then the next chapter is full of hope. The, uh, the blessings uh, of Moses, the prayers that he prays for them. God, Moses hasn't given up on these people because he knows God hasn't given up on them. Turn to chapter 33. This is the last verse we'll look at, verse 28. After he's prayed for each of the nations, he prays for the whole of the nation, or he sees what lies ahead in the distant future. 
Israel dwells securely. Jacob lives untroubled in a land of grain and new wine. Even his skies drip with dew. How happy are you, Israel? Who is like you? Are people saved by the Lord? He is the shield that protects you, the sword you boast in. Your enemies will cringe before you and you will tread on their backs. You see, there is hope. There's a lot of doom and gloom, but beyond that, there's a brilliant hope that God will intervene and he will bring his kingdom and Israel, those who are faithful to God, will be blessed. And as the Old Testament story goes on, we see this being expanded upon by the prophets. As the people of Israel are suffering the judgment of God as they're languishing in exile in Babylon, Jeremiah, the prophet, speaks to them and he speaks of a time coming in the future, the same time that Moses saw when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. This is the covenant uh, that we're reading about here in Deuteronomy. A covenant they broke, even though I had married them. The Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. That's what Moses said. I'll put my teaching in them and write it on their hearts. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. No longer will one teach their neighbour or his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. The Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sin. He will purify his people. You see, the word of the prophets is expanding on what Moses saw way back, about 1300 BC. And now 800 years later, the prophets are, are, are painting the same picture, only with more detail for the future. A fresh start for God's people and a new heart for God's people. And these things, of course, are fulfilled in Jesus, aren't they? When Jesus comes onto the scene and he dies on the cross to pay for people's sins, to bring permanent forgiveness... And he pours out the Holy Spirit to bring new birth and changed hearts. This, is, you see, is the grand plan of God to save the world. And we're dipping in at one point in the history of that and we're looking forward, as it were, from a, from a lookout hundreds of years into the future to see Jesus coming in the distant future. In the short-term words of comfort, God will Bring his people into the land. In the medium term, words of doom and gloom because people's sin still remains and it's all going to be wrecked again. But in the distant future, a wonderful future when God will intervene and deal with sin once and for all and enable his people to live with him in his kingdom. And brothers and sisters, what a privilege we have to live in that day, to live in the time of the new covenant. What, about, uh, what can we say about Moses' last words and us? Here is a, here is a word that came to the, the people uh, of God way back in 1300 BC about uh, the future. But what, is, what do we learn from this? What do we take home from this? Well, I think this screams out to us three, three massive things, and they're exactly the same that, as what uh, Linda said before. So I loved your answer, Linda, except I'll take a bit more time than you did. <laughs> three massive things that should, should and must shape our lives today to which we must respond. The first is the greatness and goodness of God. 
As we've seen these last words of Moses, and in fact through the whole book of Deuteronomy, this is what we've seen. The God who made his promises and keeps them. The God who provided and sustained his people through the wilderness. The God who graciously gave his people his law so that they could know his will and his character. The God who, uh, who, who gave them the leader like Moses to teach them and to pray for them and to intercede for them. The God who reveals his plan centuries ahead. The God who, who, who put forward the blessings and the curses so that it couldn't be clearer for Israel. The God of grace who has saved his people and brought them to himself and given them the opportunity for them to live with him. This is the God who controls history. Not only do we see his greatness and his goodness in his goodness and his grace, but also I'm blown away by the way that God unfolds his plan over centuries, aren't you? Hundreds and hundreds of years. It's not just that we look back and go, oh, that's what God was doing. God announces it ahead of time. Here is a God who controls the nations. When China and America are butting heads with each other, we don't have to worry. God's in full control of all the nations. When we're sitting around thinking, is it, can Jesus ever return? Is God's kingdom ever going to come? What's going to happen to the church? Don't need to be afraid. Be strong and courageous. God is God. He is in full control. Do you know this God? We're encouraged in Deuteronomy to remember the Lord. Sometimes we forget the Lord when times are good. Sometimes we forget him when times are hard. But here is the God who is there. He is big. He is great. He is profoundly good and gracious and generous. He is in control of all history and all nations, he made you. He owns you. He will be your judge. He loves you and sent his son for you. This God is real. Some people say, how can I know that God is there? God has been revealing himself for thousands of years. If only you will look and see his hand unfolded and interpreted for us in the pages of scripture. Climaxing in the coming of his son to die on the cross and then he raised him from the dead so that all can see. God is there. He is great. He is real. Second thing to see is what we are like. Deuteronomy reminds us, doesn't it? We need this training wheels of the law to protect us and guide us from falling over. Because our hearts are hard. We keep on finding that Moses keeps saying to the people, even though they'd seen all the miracles, you're a stiff-necked people. And in the future, guess what? You're going to rebel again. And that's what we're like, isn't it, on our own? We can't do God's law. We can't please God and live according to his standard. It's way too high for us. We just can't do it because we are sinful. Even though we've been now forgiven and given a new heart, we still battle with sin, don't we? Sin is real and sin is very serious. And the book of Deuteronomy screams out to us. And even Moses, the greatest of men, couldn't go into the promised land because of his sin. And if he can't get there, why do you think you can or I can? Now, all we can do is throw ourselves on the mercy of God. The good news is, as uh, 
Linda so helpfully remind us, Deuteronomy tells us how wonderful Jesus is. It teaches us to appreciate Jesus. Can you see that Moses was looking forward to Jesus, bringing the new covenant, bringing forgiveness, bringing a new heart? Uh, and as we, we read, as we read Deuteronomy, as great as Moses was, Jesus is so much greater. Moses did pretty amazing miracles, didn't he? But Jesus did greater. Moses rescued the people from slavery in Egypt, but Jesus rescues us from slavery to sin and death and Satan. Moses was involved in the people of Israel, one nation on earth, but Jesus rescues people from all nations for all time. Moses died and was buried in a secret place. Jesus died and was buried, but then God raised him from the dead and seated him on the throne forever. Moses was the mediator of a covenant that was pretty good, but in the end didn't work for people because God always planned something better, that he would bring a new covenant through Jesus, a covenant of permanent forgiveness, of a fresh start for anyone who'll trust in him, and a new heart enabling us to do it for anyone who will trust in him. Moses was a servant in all of God's house, but Jesus was a son who came to save us. We need a better saviour than Moses, and we need a better covenant than Deuteronomy, and God has brought that for us in Jesus. Can you see a sense of appreciation for how great Jesus is? This is why God's given us the Old Testament. We sometimes think, why are we reading a book from 1300 BC? We live now. It's because this was given so that we can understand and appreciate Jesus, so we can know God, know ourselves, and cling to Jesus. But there's one more thing to see in the book of Deuteronomy. As we've been going through, the, the message has been being like a drum, hasn't it? You've got to respond rightly to God. You've got to obey God. You've got to love God and fear him and trust him and keep on doing that. And there are two choices that are presented all through the book, aren't there? Life or death, blessings or curses, obedience or disobedience. It's very clear and very simple. And even back here in Deuteronomy, in this Old Testament word that comes to us, we have the, the call of the gospel to us. Turn to God and trust him and you will be saved. I've got uh, another man who died recently. He's John Chapman. And uh, he was uh, an evangelist who went around preaching in Sydney. And he, one of the things that he taught us, this is putting Josh's sermon last week into application. Josh said, don't make simple things complicated. We've got to keep uh, a simple grasp on God's word to us. And, and so Chapo used to have this little saying, and it, you can do it on your fingers. God, he used man, but we're not sexist anymore. So people, God, people, God, what if you do, what if you don't? You can remember that, can't you? God, people, God, what if you do, what if you don't? Can you see that this is the message of Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy is the gospel in, in the Old Testament. God is great. He's gracious. He's done everything for you. He is your God. But you are sinful. You need forgiveness. If you don't, then you, you will have, uh, you, God will, you'll come under God's judgment. God is great and gracious. We are sinful and weak and condemned. But God is gracious and he sent a saviour for us. He's established 
a way for us to come back to him. And so we need to respond. What if you do? If you turn to Jesus, the saviour, and come under his rule and receive the benefits of his death, if you receive him as Lord in your life, forgiveness of sins for you, a new heart for you, eternal blessing for you. But what if you don't? What if you resist Jesus? You hold out on him. Or even more seriously, if you turn away from him, well, then there's no blessing for you, but only curse. And instead of being with God forever in the promised land of heaven, you'll be excluded and cut out, and God will reject you, just as you have rejected him. God, people, God, what if you do, what if you don't? That's the message of Deuteronomy. It's the message of the Bible. It's the message that God has for us today. If there's anyone here who hasn't yet responded to this message and received Jesus, I want to urge you to do this. Uh, talk to someone about it if you don't know what to do. But let me tell you what to do. Pray to God and say, God, I want Jesus to be Lord in my life. I need his forgiveness. And if you pray that prayer, he will receive you. You can rest assured. And if you have prayed that prayer, then I urge you to keep on responding rightly to Jesus. He is your God. He is your saviour. There's no other hope. There's no way in the world that is any better than following Jesus. I would put it to you that there is no truth that is more certain than the knowledge of God's greatness and my sin and God's salvation in Jesus and the need for us to respond. Can there be anything more certain than what God has revealed to humanity over thousands of years with signs and wonders and with his own son coming and dying and rising from the dead? Be strong and courageous. The Lord will never leave you or forsake you. God is God and he saved you through his son, Jesus Christ. When you know that truth and cling to it, you will be saved forever and ever. So love him and serve him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And love your neighbour as yourself. This is the message that God has for us from the book of Deuteronomy. Let's pray. Thanks so much, Lord, for this book. Lord, for us it's old, it's long, it's convoluted. But as we step back and look at it, we see your wonderful word to us. We see that you reveal yourself to us. You reveal ourselves and you reveal to us the wonderful thing that you've done for us in Jesus. Lord, help each and every person here to, to know these truths so that we might choose life, that we might cling to Jesus, trusting and obeying him. And Lord God, we thank you for your servant Moses, for his faithfulness to you, uh, that he was greater than any other man who'd ever lived at that time. We thank you that he spoke your truth as a prophet and spoke of the Lord Jesus to come. But we thank you even more for him, that a prophet greater than Moses rose up, who didn't stay dead, but was raised from the dead, and who established a new covenant for us where there is forgiveness of sins and a changed new heart by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this great work you've done. 
And we pray that we might live every day in response to this, remembering you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.